0: Basis of it all is: Do you have Christ at your center, and is Christ lifted up in every service?
1: Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. And joining me today are our friends Karen,
0: Good morning,
1: and Tracy. Good morning. And maybe Amy, her connection is really awful today, and so don't know if she's going to be with us or not, but she is desperately trying because she wants to be a part of the group and we want her to be a part of the group. So keep trying, Amy, because we can't hear you right now.
0: <laughs> we can see her name on the screen, but we can't hear any noise she's making.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Technology. Technology makes the world better, folks. Just remember that. Remember that when our overlords... Uh, shut down our internet later. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that out
2: loud? Yes, I, I, you did. Yes. Uh, you did. I, I, I'm what sorry. What chapter
0: of Nehemiah is that yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, even I, remember. Uh, our elections,
2: our uh, midterm elections, are Tuesday. I don't know if that's so appropriate at this point.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, Big Brother. I didn't mean it. <laughs> in the sky big brother in the sky
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know when this i don't know when this episode is gonna air but now you know when we're recording it
1: that's right that's right well speaking of which we are kind of we're like right we're just kind of starting the uh the holiday season i guess because we just got through through uh halloween and yeah this in a couple of days is election day which um, if you oh, voted ju-
0: judging by the decorations in the store, I thought Christmas was in a couple of days.
1: Well,
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, it creeps up closer earlier and earlier every year. Uh, and, and it's funny though, because, because you hear all kinds of people, Oh, wait till after Thanksgiving for Christmas. But usually the people who are saying that are the ones who started celebrating Halloween in July. So, you know, um, I, 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 I don't, uh, I don't listen to those people very, very loudly.
0: (laughs) And honestly, I think they're just trying to expand the mercenary window.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, they want that buck. They want that buck all that much sooner. Everything is so, so um, commercialized now. I mean, how long is it going to be before Saint Patrick's Day starts really becoming? becoming uh commercialized to the the way that that some of these other holidays are because
0: well i think yeah. so far the only reason it isn't is that mostly drunk people enjoy it
1: so. <laughs> yeah well hey i enjoy corned beef and cabbage that day so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know but uh but yeah you know it's funny though because you know when i was young and maybe tracy you remember too halloween didn't seem like as big a deal it's like it was day of we went yeah. out
2: you would go out and go trick or treating, and Somebody then you go home on their front patio. That was about mm-hmm.
3: it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then it was, and it was done. And now it's—I don't know if it's our generation that's just being nostalgic, or what is going on. But Halloween has gotten to be as big as Christmas. It's not even a national oh, holiday. People, people don't get it off. Um, and oh, instead I, they
0: celebrate it all day at work.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. trick
0: trick-or-treat through the office, and and everybody comes to work in costumes, and I'm just like, make it stop.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it. You know, I remember probably somewhere, I don't remember what age I decided trick-or-treating is for kids. You know, I was, I don't know, I doubt if I was 12 years old. I probably was much younger than that and just started going, you know what, this is for little kids. You know, and now it's full-grown adults.
0: Okay, yeah, it's full-grown adults. Like, okay, so I had a family of... Five Show up at my door So it was parents Teenage daughter And then a couple of younger kids
3: mm-hmm.
0: None of them were even wearing costumes Yeah The whole family just showed up at the door And stared at me blankly They rang the doorbell I answered the door They stared at me blankly And mm-hmm. I was just like Can I help you?
3: <laughs>
0: do you? Do you need something? And they were like Oh, um, tr- uh, trick or treat And I was like okay i mean it was so <laughs> weird
1: yeah no i tell them i say you have to at least say it i'll give them candy but i was like you have to at least say it then they'll look at me trick or treat okay i know
0: it's like they're embarrassed to even they're just like show up yeah it was so weird though i mean like that family of five i was like okay that's it i'm shutting the light off this is this is getting ridiculous yeah. so at that point the porch light went out and the door got locked and i would just <laughs> saved the rest of the candy for myself
1: there, there you go. <laughs> See, around here, everybody from one end of town brings all their kids to my neighborhood, and they don't buy candy for themselves. They don't have any intention of giving out candy. They just all come here to, to get the candy. So uh, I was like, uh, I'm not super cool with that. But if I guess, you know, kiddos come to the door. I'm going to give them candy. I don't mind that much. But, but uh, it is just bizarre to me how big the holiday has gotten. Just because, I mean, for one, it's it's so dark. You know, and people—it's gotten so dark. I should say I don't remember it being quite so dark when we were kids. You know, we yeah. would put we'd put on our costumes, and you'd have the little spooky stuff—jack o' lanterns and witches and ghosts and that kind of stuff. All that, you know, at that time, that it was all just done very fictionally, if you know what I mean. You know, it was witches with warts on their noses and ghosts that looked like people with sheets. You know, and uh, not anymore. I mean, yeah. now it's. People's yards become murder scenes And I mean, I literally, there was one this year About a block away from our pastor's house That was fun But it looked like blood splattered over the entire house And undead things through the yard And it was just disgusting It was so gross And I'm just thinking, this is your favorite This is really your favorite holiday Anyway Alright, well, let's get into our topic this week Because we're not here to talk about Halloween We're her We're her We're here here to talk about the book of Nehemiah Oh, and unfortunately, Amy has officially given up She just can't get it to work today So we'll look forward to hearing from Amy next week But um, we won't get to hear her dulcet tones this week So Anyway, Nehemiah Dulcet Dulcet tones That's words that, I know, hey I went to college for two years
0: did you also write romance novels? Because I feel like you might have.
1: <laughs> I'm just such a romantic, anyway. Naturally, you know, it's and different. I have a Hang on, and,
0: hang on. I'm texting your wife. Hang on.
1: And I have a, I have a fair command of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Book of Nehemiah. The context is that is that the Israelites have come back from uh, captivity, and actually had been back from captivity for quite a while. In the first book of or excuse me, in the first part of Nehemiah, he had discovered that the wall was still in shambles around the city while he was serving as cupbearer in Susa, the capital of uh, Persia. And the king allowed him to go back to to build the wall. And so he came back, rallied the folks and everybody jumped in and started building the uh, started building that wall. Even though there was a little bit of opposition, but they managed to get it done in about a month and a half. And so, so they really went to town on it, got it done. And it was, uh, it was kind of an inspiring story there. And so as we pick up in chapter seven, now they're finishing up. Yeah, they're finishing up. But even, you know, as it has been completed, then Nehemiah, this is, I don't know. This is pretty cool of Nehemiah. I think he hands the power over. Now he hands it to his brother. Which is uh, what's the word for that when you're uh, bringing all your friends and family and giving them all the power? But he hands the power over to his brother, so he nepotism. Nepotism, yeah. He doesn't hold on to that power himself. He passes it off, and so that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That he, I mean, he clearly had some ability to rally people to to get ball get the ball rolling, you know, and probably could have had a lucrative career as as a leader in in the city, but he hands it over. And so I, I guess I have to admire him for that. But he gives it over to his brother Hanani, or Hanani, Hanani, I'm not sure. And Hananiah, who is the leader of the citadel is the way that they put it. And it says, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Wouldn't that be nice if we could find some leaders these days who were faithful men and feared God more than many? seems few and far between these days.
0: It does. I'm resisting the urge to point out that you didn't include women in your statement
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna sit over here quietly at this point. <laughs> 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 Well
1: Karen I... no.
0: <laughs>
1: apparently
0: saying? apparently what? yeah mm. dinosaur.
3: <laughs>
0: name?
1: No, we shouldn't go down that road. <laughs> I was gonna say name name some of the good female leaders that we have running our country right now, but well, I'm I not gonna ask. I think the point somebody.
0: is we need some new ones, well, male or female.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Matt. I'm
3: just teasing.
1: <laughs> Stop okay. being so misogynistic, Matt. <clears throat> See, look, big words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> So, anyways, he passes along this power. We get a big register of names from people who came from the first wave of returning from exile.
2: But then I uh, wonder if you know what he he did. What he needed to do wasn't his primary goal. Just the just the gates in this, or, or just the wall and the gates around the city. That was his. That was his task.
1: That's what he came for. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, and he they were hanging the doors or hanging the gates or what have you. They were prepping for the party. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know what? Here you go, because that this wasn't my my duty or my task. You know, maybe it was just in you know his leadership model that you know what I can rally the people to to number one defend themselves, make the gate. That's it. That's all I want to do. I don't want the day to day grind.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice too if our leaders would understand. You know, and, come in and knows his limitations. Yeah, know your limitations. Do the thing you promise to do, actually do the thing you promise to do, um, and then step aside, you know, move out of the way because there's other things that need to be done and you don't need to hang on to all that power. You know, poli- pol- politics is not meant to be a career. I don't. I really don't think it should be a career, but that's just me and uh, that's so not my
0: <laughs> Yeah, but, but I get what you're saying and it does have to do with rebuilding Jerusalem because this is what they were doing. They were reestablishing the foundation. As well as physically rebuilding, re-establishing government based on the foundation, and I'm I'm talking like a moral or ethical or or national foundation, like a fundamental foundation. I'm not talking about like, hey, we laid some brick, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is what they're doing. And the people who the people who start building don't need to be the people who continue to build it. Like not everybody has the same set of talents. Mm-hmm. So the the type of personality and the type of Skills that it takes to reestablish a society and rebuild roots is not the same type that is going to thrive on maintenance, right? It just isn't the same. So I completely agree with you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty weird. Yep. Some people aren't made for the day to day.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah.
0: people they respond flourish better to. Yep. Exactly. They flourish in chaos, but once once uh, sort of normalcy is reestablished, they're they're. They're bored, yep, right? They're, they're they're, they don't know what to do. They don't have a purpose. And uh, I heard it described once, which may or may not have been applied at the time to my ex-husband. Some people thrive on problems. If there isn't a problem to solve, they become the problem. Mm. Not that I'm saying that's what Nehemiah would have done because I think he was, you know, a, a man rooted in God. I'm just saying it's, it's different people.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I think you said the key word there, though. I think he mm-hmm. said the key word or words mm-hmm. is he was rooted in God. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. knew, you know what, this was my task. This was my assignment. And mm-hmm. he kept focused on that, on God, and was like, you know what, now it's time for somebody else to come up here and, and run it, run the day-to-day.
1: Yeah, well, and that, you know, I think that's good for a person to be able to recognize that, too, because... Uh, the society around will have a tendency to, hey, this guy really did a good job. We really like him. Let's keep him in and let's keep him here forever. Mm-hmm. And and not stopping to realize that, no, this person was raised up for a purpose. They've fulfilled that purpose and it's going to be okay for them to move on. And, you know, let's bring in somebody else. Um, you know, we do it with all kinds of things. We do it with politicians, we do it with TV shows. I mean, think about. I know Karen, you don't watch a lot of TV, but think about TV shows that went way longer than they should have. You know, you're like, they should have killed this thing a long time ago and they're still trying, you know.
3: Well, they
0: were making money.
1: <laughs> well, well, and so were the politicians.
2: Right? And, you know? and I think that's what it comes <laughs> down to. It's it's once again, like we've said, for man, two years itself. Mm-hmm. Now, now the focus has gone off of what you maybe initially intended to be like, you know, if we're gonna talk politicians, maybe it's the people and communities and that kind of thing and now the focus is let me stay here and let me do the money grab
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and that would have been the easy thing for neomine to do so it really is inspiring it's uh, so on the
0: on the on the wallet end of it it's yeah let me keep doing the money grab on the personal end of it it's like hey i was important and i'm gonna stay important if it kills you
1: Mm -hmm. there's always that temptation you find yourself in a position of Even if you don't have a lot of power, sometimes just like being in a position where you know stuff. Yeah. You know, you're you're right there where people are saying things, and it's hard to want to give that up sometimes.
0: Yep, for sure. Yeah. In the world of business, they sometimes call it failing up. Mm. So you just, you get, you do well in a job, so they promote you, um, that you do well in a job, so they promote you, and they promote you until you fail, or you turn into sort of this, you know, like. I'll stay here at all costs, I'll deceive, twist, play games, whatever, to keep my reputation and to keep this position and to keep moving up the ladder. It's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah, nepotism is part of it. Like, no offense to Nehemiah in chapter seven here, but sorry, nepotism is usually considered part of that. Like, it's considered crooked dealings. But here he does it, and apparently it's okay. Followed yeah. by a long list of everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot, yeah, a list of it Well, and this is just the people who came in the first wave of from, coming back from exile
0: And their slaves and their singers and their horses and their mules and their camels and donkeys
2: Yeah, let's read that list right Ooh. now No, yeah, let's, let's not... do
3: that I <laughs> think we need to
2: add that to the, the new Bible we were talking about that Laxbagots yeah. and maybe even <laughs> people counting
1: Yeah <laughs> Well, this is one of those examples where the Bible is just being a historical document um,
0: and I appreciate was, it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: It, you know, it gives us some credibility. We can see that. Okay, they took actual count of of at least certain people, you know, and they kept numbers, and so we can we can trust that this these stories are true because uh, because of the records they kept. But you know, at the end of it, it talks about I think if I see here right, 42,000 six, three, Excuse me, forty two thousand three hundred sixty men plus their servants which I think it said there were 700, seven, over 7,000 servants plus 245 men and women singers. And then you know that there was probably wives and children all involved with that too. Um, so it's, it is interesting that that they keep track of that, not necessarily the kind of thing that you need to study and memorize <laughs> to know all those names, um, but it's it's worthwhile noting that they did keep track of this stuff and knew what was going on and were paying attention. Then as we roll into chapter eight, then things shift over a bit to Ezra. Now you might remember, I think last week I was talking about how Nehemiah was actually once upon a time considered part of the book of Ezra. It was like first and second Ezra. Yeah. And, and so this <laughs> shifts this the uh, attention away from Nehemiah over to Ezra, where it says that Ezra was called to read from the book of law of Moses. Now, first of all, I, um, I'm kind of, Surprised um, and impressed that this that the book of the law was preserved through the exile? And it makes me wonder, you know, when they were when they were being pulled out of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar's forces, you know, did they ask, hey, can we take these books along with us? Uh, did somebody sneak well, them along with them? How did they, how did they preserve it for 70 plus years? Because at this well, point, where was the ark? We have not book known of the time.
0: law. Yeah. yeah, the book the book of the law was in the side pocket of the ark.
1: Mm-hmm. But we haven't heard so about there must the have been
0: other, there must have been other copies.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah. yeah, we haven't heard about the Ark
2: for quite a while. I mean, yeah. I think I Was it already I,
0: MIA at this point?
2: I don't know. You know what? I would I wonder too, because if you go back, oh who is the, the boy king? Jos- Josiah. Was it, I was thinking of, I think it I think. I think it was Josiah. It Josiah. But they, remember they said they actually lost the book of the law inside the temple. Yeah. So I'm sure there was other copies because I mean remember the Ark. They didn't say anything about the Ark. They just said they lost the book of the law inside the temple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure there's, there could have been other copies at this point. But, you know, too, I'm I'm wondering at this point they probably did have enough wherewithal to – to stash one away even when they were getting overran or, you know, have somebody take it out somewhere else mm-hmm. just to preserve to preserve it. Yeah. So Ezra
1: reads, it said, from morning to midday. So if you figure the way, it seems like usually you can kind of glean when you read in, in the Bible when they're talking about the day. They're talking about, like, sunrise-ish being around 6 o'clock. And so if you figure from morning to midday, we're talking about probably about six hours, five or six hours of the people listening to Ezra read from the law. Uh, We have a hard time listening to a pastor for 20 minutes anymore. (laughs) You know, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this today? Listening for six hours to somebody read from, from a book? I don't think, I don't think people would do it these days. I'm sure that they would have the, we wouldn't have
2: the patience. Um, okay, I think so a emails and text messages afterwards.
3: Yeah. Here's,
0: here's the part I liked. So in let's see, where was it? It's right at the beginning of the chapter. Um when he goes to read the read the law, the people immediately stand up. Mm-hmm. Who was that? Did you guys notice that? Oh, let me
1: look here real quick. I mean, I noticed that they were very, they seemed to very be very enthusiastic about it
2: all. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Let's yep. see. At the end of five.
0: Yeah, there we Verse go. Verse five. Just, okay, yeah. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. So, so I just, I moved like, like a year and whatever ago. And um, one of the things that the local church here does that I really, really like is whenever there's a scripture reading before the sermon starts, everybody just automatically stands up. They don't even need to be told. Mm. Um, if, but so, some people who get up to read whatever the scripture passage for the day is will actually say, please stand for the reading of God's word. Mm. But if some, like if a young person gets up to do it and they forget or whatever people automatically stand up. And I really, really like that. And I still remember the impression that left on me the first week that I went to this church after moving out here. I was just like, oh, oh, oh I like that.
1: Mm, that is good to have. It
2: is.
0: I
1: like that. Yeah, I do too.
0: Because it's one thing to have someone preaching a sermon and using their their texts the sermon is based on and saying, well, let's go and look up this, right? That's one thing, because that's in the flow of human discussion. It's one thing to be talking with your friends and saying, you know, like, oh, but remember what happened in, you know, Jeremiah, whatever, right? That's another thing. It happens in the flow of human discussion. But to just read the word of the Lord, oh, I like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and you know, and I think, oh.
2: too, you know, when we were growing up earlier on, there used to be like a, um, a dedicated scripture for that week or maybe that the whole sermon was kind of founded around and it was kind of would start off you know, um, the worship service, which I liked. And I don't don't know if maybe we've just gotten away from that or maybe it's just us in particular, but I like it. I think it should be done.
1: Well, yeah, and, you know, you think about how, I mean, our modern-day worship service in North America specifically, probably Western culture, I think is so different from what we see back in this time. You know, we expect a new sermon from a pastor every single week. But it seems like more of what was happening at the times in the temples and the synagogues was literally just listening to the word. You'd come Mm -hmm. in and you would have and somebody would read, would Mm -hmm. read the word. And, you know, even when you think about, you know, Jesus preaching, the only sermon we really get from him is the Sermon on the Mount. And my suspicion is he probably went around for three and a half years preaching basically the same sermon everywhere he went. I, I would I would suspect that he didn't spend a whole lot of time writing sermons for every other for every week, you know, and uh, it's just interesting how we how how we seem to want to be entertained yes. in our in our worship time rather than, you know, you know, letting God, letting God speak to us through the word. Right, and what am I trying to say? Speak, think, then speak. Wanting to get entertained rather than just letting God speak to us through his word. That's it. You know, we want to hear somebody else's thoughts on it. We And sometimes we need that. I think it is important. Our pastor is going through, he's starting through a a sermon series just on the gospel. And it's like, you know what? I needed to hear that, you know. But at the same time, we, we don't stop to just listen to the word enough, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're, I think we're, I think we all, f- are, ty- are tired of the word. We've heard it a bunch of times and and we want to hear something new, right? And that old language pattern and the complexity of prophecy and the different things like that, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that it is how they say alive, right? Like the Bible itself describes itself, the word of God is alive, right? And, and what that means to me is not that it's a living, breathing entity, but It is spiritually alive in that it impacts us continually through different phases of our Christian walk through different phases of our life. It impacts us afresh. There's an old word for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Dulcet tones,
3: right? (laughs)
0: It It impacts us afresh as we need it to. That's what I think it means when it says that it's alive. So, but then here, you know, here we are, modern Western society, where everything's down to bite-sized snippets and three-second increments of video, and, like, we're, we're feeding the shortest attention span in, out there because everybody's trying to catch traction amidst the noise, right? And there's, there's a lot of noise. And you have to grab somebody's attention span within the first, like, one second, or they're not staying. So I get it but it's, it doesn't speak well of the human condition. And then how much do we bow to that? So that's one thing I was gonna say. So the other thing is, there's a guy, there's a guy who goes to the local church here and he's done overseas missions and speaking periodically years ago in his life. He said that when you go into, um, a, you know, what, what in, a, in America we would consider an uncivilized nation, right, they don't have the accoutrements of modern society and whatever. They don't have the internet. They live in villages. Their roofs are made out of grass. Their walls are made out of mud. He says, when a, when a speaker comes in to preach the word of God, even though they're having to listen through a translator, they will sit on the floor and be uncomfortable and never fall asleep and never never lose interest because they're physically uncomfortable because they're sitting on a floor for hours, right? So you can say, well, it's pedagogy, you know, you need to teach to as many senses as possible to keep people's attention. Okay, yes, but that's a spoiled society. Right. So, yet yes, but, right? And so I I still go I in my mind I go back to that verse in the Bible, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So is is there a time and a place to try to shape your worship service to be appealing to the senses. Yeah, I think I think there is to a point, but the the basis of it all is do you have Christ at your center and is Christ lifted up in every service?
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very yeah. I think we would
0: do I think we would do just as well to pray for the pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our service and in the hearts and the minds of our local congregation that you know like a local church would do just as well to pray for that as they would be to shape the logistics of what their service looks like i think there's a time and a place for both yeah end of
2: speech (laughs) yeah i'll go Go back
0: to filing my nails now
2: you know i i I agree with that and i also think it's i kind of feel it's a state of society right now is as i look at our young people and and i see them walking around with their cell phones and they can't live without them. Yeah. When when I think of us growing up, it was okay to get a book from the library and sit down and read it for hours Stacks at a time. Because I I look at their constant need of just stimuli all the time. Mm-hmm. They can't sit and read a book. You know, and if they do, their phone has to be right there by them. Mm-hmm. Um they're great, you know, at multitasking on things that they want to do, but not on things that require their total focus, mm. which is completely the opposite of what you would think. Um, but I think that's the same way we are in church. It's like we want to go there and be entertained. And it's gotten so bad where, you know, sometimes I hate to say it. It's it's where, okay, so the pastor isn't going to be here this week and nobody shows up. Yeah. And it's like, why? You're missing the point. You're not there to to see the pastor and to be entertained. You're there to get the word and to have it, you know, brighten your your outlook and carry it through the week and what have you, but we just want to be entertained. And it's like, and I think we're missing the the big picture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I say it knowing full well that I'm guilty of it because uh I have fallen asleep in church more than once, <laughs> you know, and uh that's a, that's, that's on me, totally on me. So uh, I'm not, I'm not just pointing fingers
3: here.
0: But that, but that, right there, that speaks to why we do need to put some time and effort into reaching our audience. We know we're in that society. Yeah, we know how that works. And do, do we need to leave room for the Holy Spirit and the Gospel to work in people's hearts and minds? Yes. Do we need to work out other people's salvation with fear and trembling? No. Right. So some of that rests on the person and some of that rests on the common sense of the group presenting. And that's why I'm saying we would do well to put just as much emphasis on praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and minds of your congregation and it, throughout the week and with the service itself as you would, you know, shaping the service. Because you, you do have to shape the service to your audience. Like it's a, it's a common sense law of speaking to any audience. Mm -hmm. Like you did. I mean, that's just how it is. And Mm -hmm. do we need to leap through flaming hoops and bring in tigers in order to make the word of God appealing? Well, I mean, no, but you need to not be dumb about it. Like if if the pastor is remarkably good and the people filling in on non-pastor weeks, if attendance drops off significantly, that either speaks really, really well of your pastor or it doesn't reflect well on the people who are speaking in between. You know, and so there's that way to. I mean, the little quality control voice in my head. You've got it. You've got to at least be willing to take a look at that. Like, why? You know, it's not the fact that it's the pastor. There, are, there are plenty of churches around who only have a pastor every other week or every third week or whatever because they share it with other congregations. And and attendance doesn't drop off like a millstone. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I I, I got to say that part. Like I can't I can't let that go. Like church services aren't magic, right? They aren't automatically good just because we're all there in the spirit of Christ.
2: Right. Exactly. So, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but then too, I think it's on the, sometimes I think it's on the organization on the denomination, but you have to change with the times. And I think that's honestly kind of what Karen is, is alluding to is that, you know what, you can't, you can't preach a 1950 sermon and, 2022, yeah, you, you know, it might not, do us.
0: It might do us some good to hear it.
2: True. <laughs> yeah, but then you, uh, you know, saying that it, it might do us good to hear it. But I don't know how many people are going to stay awake, just like Matt said. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. yep.
2: You know, or how many of the young people we're going to attract? Because that seems to be the biggest thing right now. Is it's like, okay, where's our youth going? Okay, what are we doing to keep them? Yep, you know, following their ascent. We're, we're afraid of of social media. It's like come on, you have to step into the error that you're in. Post something on Facebook. You're not going to your fingers aren't going to, you know, crinkle up and fall off. You're going sure. <laughs> to be You're showing your
1: hell. age. You're showing your age there, Tracy, cuz the kids yeah, don't I watch think, Facebook. Well, I think I think you and, met TikTok. you know,
2: Twitter, Snap, you can use it all. Snapchat, um Instagram. Don't be yeah. afraid to step into, you know, into the the year or the session that they're in at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like, but what we have to, and, and it happens all over across the board is that I think we get a little bit complacent as we age and that's all we want to do. Yeah. And then when people try to change, it just becomes a huge issue that can divide and split up churches.
0: So back to that guy who went over and did some, some missionary work in in some of the other countries, he brought up that example of, well, you know, when I show up and and I taught, and of course, speaking through an interpreter takes forever, right? Because it's like double the length. And so he said that, you know, the sermons that we gave, first of all, it's, it's an evangelistic seminar, so it's already long. Second of all, it's going through a, a, an interpreter. So it's each session is twice as long as everything gets said twice. He goes, and yet they never hesitated. They showed up, the entire village would show up, night after night after night after night and he was like so you know clearly it's just american society and i was like well i mean kind of right that's certainly one way to look at it but if that is american society then work within american society Mm -hmm. or or whatever society you're you're in right right to our our international audience who will be (laughs) feel disenfranchised by my latest comment please insert the name of your own home nation
1: there you go. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say, we're 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 still talking to people who are are going to be technology savvy because they are listening to a podcast. So uh, that is something. But yeah, I, I, but everything you guys are saying it actually makes sense. And I do think that this situation, they were sort of catering to the people of the time because they're not people with TV or radio or internet or any of those things, and so. It, this was a very engaging thing that was happening there because not only was as a reading it says that there were men on on hand to help people understand the law this was declared a holy day and it specifically said not for weeping there were it says enjoy good food and drink share with others who don't have anything so i mean this is like it's i mean by by what i'm hearing it sounds rather party-ish you know it sounds like Come, have a good time, enjoy yourself while you're hearing God's word.
0: Very much so. Like in verse 6, so Ezra, this is the the verse after what we just read, where Ezra opens the book of the law and everybody automatically stood up. So then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. All right. So then after they, after they, uh, the people were, let's see, the people were they were crying like the people were crying about this. They were so moved. Like, first of all, any t- I think any society that went without the law of God, any, cr- you know, faith based society that went without the law of God for a number of years and then suddenly heard the law of God again, they're going to be like, oh, whoops, <laughs> <laughs> look how far no. we slid. Right. Because if you you know, the next few chapters are about cleanup. Yeah. It's, it's about moral cleanup, like how do we live, how do we act, what's important, how do we prioritize this, what do we do, what do we not do, when do we do it, right? It's about all of those things. And so at the same time, they're celebrating, they're also grieving, because look how far they've fallen, and that's why he encourages them to make it a, a, a happy day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and he says, this day is holy to our Lord, do not grieve, the joy of the Lord is your strength.
3: Mm-hmm
1: yeah and you know and i think that speaks a lot to you know some of the things we're talking about with our church services and you know on the one hand we sound like we're bemoaning you know people for wanting to be entertained i'm not bemoaning that i mean that is well to a degree myself included to a degree to a degree but um it is important to well like you said to to engage the audience meet them where they are Mm -hmm. you know and we are a very technological society and it's sound bites and clips and i mean oh my <laughs> trying to sit with my youngest when he has command of the tv and
0: why why would you do that
1: oh uh, just to because
0: Placate modern parenting
1: <laughs> not so much vacation but just to actually you know <laughs> try to enjoy a little time with him you know yeah but his favorite channel is youtube and he will start watching he'll either start watching videos of he loves to watch um the the videos and they'll be like hour long videos of little 5 and 6 second snippets and it and he'll just watch that and I was like oh this is like it's breaking my brain You know, it's fun for a couple of minutes. But then after a while, I'm just like, oh, can we please do something else? Let's not watch YouTube right now. And if you try to put on a movie or something, he'll watch for a little bit. In fact, he put a movie on the other day. He chose the movie. And probably 20 minutes in, he was gone.
3: Yeah.
1: He's out of the room. And we're looking around going, this was the movie you wanted to watch. It's a totally different brain. Yeah. Yeah. And so so it's it's tough. It's tough. But um yeah engage the people where they are and they were doing it back then
0: so i love this part where do you guys remember when we were going through all the different feasts Mm -hmm. back in the when we were reading through the pentateuch so like here we are and they have what what was the one where they all went camping for a week was that the feast of was it called the feast of tents or the feast of tabernacles or something like that yeah
1: it's the feast of tabernacles or booths it was the feast of Booths. booths there
0: we go booths yeah so so that's what they do here and yeah. I don't. I mean, apparently it lined up on the calendar and they were like, dude, let's go camping.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we're supposed to so, be doing so they this. Did.
0: They, they set up temporary shelters and it says from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this and their joy was very great. How cool would that feel?
1: Yeah. Well, and I was amazed that they hadn't been doing it for so long because it wasn't well, it
0: said like that. It didn't say at all.
1: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So But
0: that would be like so for modern Christians that would be like that would be like a resurrection of of the apostles. Right? Of like mm-hmm. the early, early days of Christianity, of doing things like they did. Like that's what that would be. Like you would read through the New Testament and you'd be like, okay, the book of Acts, how did they do this? All right, we're going to do that. Like what would that feel like to just know that you you would never live that out yourself, but it was in your history and this was how the church began. Like how strange would that feel?
1: Yeah. Yeah, when you can reconnect with those old things and get a get an understanding of it cuz that feast of booths if i remember right it was intended to get them to remember that they had lived in tents for 40 years yep uh, re, you know remember you weren't always comfortable remember we weren't always um we weren't always in a position of power and 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 um what other words do i want to use you know but um and so that i mean what did they do it for like a, a week I think it was a seven day, yeah, seven day, yeah, seven, seven, day, day thing. seven day thing, and, and yeah, every it's a... day
0: as yep, every day Ezra read, and then they they lived in their tents and they they did the thing.
1: Mm hmm. It would be interesting to live in a society where I mean, where the faith was the focus. We don't we don't live in a society like that now. We there's no way we would get all of our, uh, you know, a, an entire city to do this.
0: So. What happens next is kind of interesting. So in chapter eight, verse two, we get we're given the timeline. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra brought the law before the assembly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then in chapter nine, it says, On the twenty fourth day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Okay, so the party's over. The party's over. Right. We've heard the word of God. We remember what we're supposed to do. We went camping for a week. We and now we are going to completely put ourselves at the feet of mercy and confess our sins as a group. Right Mm -hmm. now that we see now that we've celebrated having the law back. Now we're going to throw ourselves before the mercy seat and be like we really got off track and we need to reorient. So if anybody needs a really, really heartfelt and beautiful prayer, read Nehemiah 9, um, starting in verse 5 and going, is it through the end of the chapter? I think so. It goes on for a minute. uh, Most of the way through the end of the chapter. It goes through verse 37, and there... um, it's amazing. Like it spells out their spiritual history. And this goes back to the things that, we, that we've talked about here before, which is like, when do you pray for yourself? When do you intercede for others? And then when do you pray for like a nation like Daniel did, you know, Daniel who lived a great life you know, basically like flung himself to the ground and was like, I'm so sorry for how we, the people, have acted. We, the people of Israel, have transgressed. We've done this and this and this. Please forgive us, right? And that's what they do here. They pray for themselves as a group. So they they pray for their history, right? They pray for their ancestors of of times when the nation got off track. And they're basically just trying to reorient to God and his priorities. And then...
2: I was thinking, you say reoriented. I was thinking yeah. they were grounding.
0: Yes, absolutely. They were grounded. Yes. I, I, t- I think in terms of compass, uh, oftentimes I think in terms of compass. Um, right. So you, you guys remember Eric, who used to be on the podcast here for our hey. millions, millions of listeners. So he he had a sermon that he preached once. So he's he climbs 14ers, like for fun, because he's weird. And so he when he first started climbing 14ers he learned the hard way so when you when you're climbing a 14er you eventually reach the tree line until you reach the tree line you're following a trail there is a trail it is rudimentary it is beaten down by thousands of feet right it is not a concrete path there are not railings it is a trail through the woods but when you get up past the tree line the mountains turn into shale fields and you have to watch your footing and so the problem is, and this is what he learned the hard way, and this this image, this mental image is stuck in my head, and and that is when he was first climbing shale fields, you have to watch where your feet are going. You have to. You have to take your eyes off the summit and look down at your feet, or you'll be on your knees bleeding from your kneecaps every other step. Like, that's how it, mm-hmm. is. it is. You have to pick your step. Pick, pick, pick. But the problem that he learned was, You can put your head down and you can look at where your feet are going and you can pick your next step. But if all you do is follow the easiest step, the easiest step, the easiest step, the easiest step, you know, you look up 300 steps later and you're now 13 degrees off your trajectory. Like you're no longer walking towards the summit. Yep. So that's what he learned. And so like that was a that was a good visual. Like I'm kind of a visual person. So that one really stuck in my head. Plus, I've climbed a 14er with Eric. So there's that. (laughs) Um, And so I did it once. (laughs) Did you? you? And look at you. You survived. Barely. (laughs) (laughs) And so. So anyway, that 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 mental image sort of sticks in my head of of reorienting where it's okay to put your head down and and carefully choose where you put your foot. But your zigzags need to be small. Right. Because your direction overall needs to stay true. So that's why I picked that word. Anyway, Mm -hmm. who cares?
1: No, makes sense. Tracy's over there. quietly listening, Tracy, who has been to Everest.
0: Right, Tracy, who's been much, much higher than any
2: 14 I'll let you talk about your 14-ers.
0: Oh, really? Mute <laughs> him. Matt, mute him.
2: I don't That's think what... I have that power.
0: Well, I don't know why.
2: We call that a training day.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but go on, go on. I'm listening. Shut
0: up. <laughs> go to your room. Mm-hmm. No,
1: it is It is a it is an accurate uh, description though. I actually did a sermon similar Because I did Long's Peak here in Colorado and Which is not, you know, I don't think it's considered One of the more difficult ones, but I know exactly What you're talking about, you get to that rock field And you have to watch, otherwise you're busting an ankle You know, mm-hmm. you've got to watch where you're going And every once in a while you got to look up And um, there's, a, you know On Long's Peak, there's what we call the keyhole Where it's a rock yeah.
3: from,
1: A rock okay. formation where it literally is Sort of like a like a hole to the other side of the mountain and then you actually climb up the other side of the mountain to finish to 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 get to the top but as you're going up that boulder field you just you're looking down so that you're not stepping down into the huge gaps in between the rocks and you just got to keep you just got to keep looking up and paying watching where you're going and watching your feet and yeah and, and the here's whole, the thing, like of- you
3: can
0: only do, and I guess my point is you can only do so many easy steps in a row. And then you might have to stop and like sort of lumber over something that's awkward. Yep. And doesn't yep. that sound like the average Christian walk? Yeah. You know, in order to stay on course, like if you if you're if you're gonna pick the flattest, smoothest, easiest way, like you're gonna miss the peak. Like you gotta look up and reorient and and maybe climb over something that's in your way. And mm-hmm. it just it just yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yep. so that's what they do here and um our conversation wandered far afield and that's why i'm trying to like get back because we back didn't keep
1: here. our because we didn't keep our eyes on the goal karen
3: yeah i'm sorry.
1: Hello, this is Matt. I want to apologize for the abrupt ending of this week's episode, but sometimes the material gets so engaging that our discussions go way longer than we had intended, and that ended up being the case with this book of Nehemiah, these last few chapters in particular. And so rather than inundate you with a supersized episode that may uh, just draw a little long for you, decided that we would split it up into two parts and um, have it be a little better of a bite size for you. So next week, we will carry on with uh, the discussion, uh, picking up in chapter 10 and going through the end of chapter 13, which will end the book of Nehemiah. So while you're reading that and waiting for us, remember you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Check us out on Facebook. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and family. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so we reach you in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week.